I'm sure that you've heard of millionaires that live like paupers. I remember reading a story, and it recently came back to mind, of a millionaire in the 1800s who's not just one time over a millionaire, but a multi-multi-millionaire. Really had enough money for multiple lives to be able to live in high style. But as I read about this individual, it was interesting to find that the one thing that they went after was the thing that actually brought them bondage. The money that they went after and that they accumulated actually brought them bondage because they refused to spend it. They were scared that they were going to lose all that they had. So this individual, it was, a, it was a woman, this individual, she lived in a filth-ridden house and ended up dying of starvation. When they went into her bank accounts and looked at her bank accounts, they found, as I stated to you, that she was a multi-millionaire. How could that happen? How could someone with all that wealth, that, that how could someone with what the world would say, and we understand the world would say this, would have all the advantages of being able to live in a beautiful house, to be able to have the finest of food, to be able to dress in the finest of clothes? How could someone like that live in a filth-ridden house and die of starvation? Because she didn't live according to her calling. She lived like she was really somebody else. Instead of living the high calling that she could have lived, she lived a life of lowliness. And as we take a few weeks to briefly study the book of Judges over the next, I guess, three or four weeks. I guess we're going to take a look at this for four weeks. You will see a repeating cycle in the nation of Israel. And this is because the reason that they were on the merry-go-round, I almost entitled this message, the merry-go-round of the spiritual life. And the reason that they were on this spiritual merry-go-round is because they did not live up to their calling. They lived like they were somebody else. And this morning, I'm here to declare to you that every believer, every person that knows Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, whether you realize it or not, you have a high calling on your life, and you are expected. You're not requested, but you are expected to live according to that high calling. The problem is there is a great danger for all of us. No one is exempt of, of this danger. Uh, it's like this. Some people, have their, bod their bodily makeup is more... Um, more apt to maybe uh, catch a certain type of virus or another person may have uh, uh, their body chemical makeup. May, uh, they may be um, more consumed with having a frail body because the way their body is made up. And we understand that. 
And so they will stay away from certain things or stay away from certain people because there's a danger in their life. And, and, and though, though for all, we're not like that. Not all of us are like that. So it's not a danger for all of us. But, but my point is that this is a danger for all of us. You say, what is that? That we would not live according to the calling that God's placed upon us. God's placed upon each and every believer here this morning a specific calling and a specific way that we are to live. And it's expected. And the danger is that we would not live according to that high calling. I want you to take a look first of all, if you're taking notes, write this down if you would. Number one, the call of God's people. The call of God's people. We can see this in Judges chapter 2. And we're going to turn to another portion of scripture um, here shortly. But we can see this in Judges chapter 2 verses 1 and 2a. Okay, so there's a call of God's people. Take a look. And the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochim and said, I made you to go up out of Egypt and have brought you unto the land which I swear unto your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you, and ye shall make no league with the inhabitants of this land. There was a calling. Uh, I, I, God called these people. Whenever, whenever you see the word Egypt in reference to God calling people out, it always has to do with removing oneself from the world. Or at least the majority of the time, I should say. Maybe that's a, a safer way to put it. The majority of the time, when you see Egypt in uh, the Bible, when it's talking about calling people out from there, or if you see people going into there, many times the context will dictate that God has called somebody out of the world to be able to be different, or it's somebody going back to the world, and they shouldn't be there. I want you to take a look at the call of God's people. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 6. Because if you're taking notes, write this down. Letter A, God's special call. God's special call. Deuteronomy chapter 7. And we're going to take a look at verses 6 through 9. And I'm trying to, to give you just a, a little bit of background here. It tells us here in... in in scripture that God set up judges. The reason for this was because once Joshua died, there was not another leader to be able to take over. Moses' Moses' successor was Joshua, but Joshua did not have a successor. And so God established judges in the land to be able to help these people. Matter of fact, these judges were um, they did execute laws and things like that, but they were also military personnel, and they helped deliver the nation of Israel. And we see here in, in Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 6, God's special call upon these people. Take a look at verses 6 through 9. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself, above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose, chose you, choose you, because you were more in number than any people, for you were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you, 
And because you would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. What we see here is that verse 6, it states that God chose the nation of Israel to be a special people to himself. He says above every nation upon the face of the earth. What I find interesting is that there was nothing that the nation of Israel had done to invoke God to make them his chosen people. The reason that God chose the nation of Israel, the Bible tells us, why did God choose the nation of Israel? Because he loved them. The notable call of God for his people is so unique because there is nothing that any person can do or can do or could do to cause God to love them or to take them out of darkness into light. See, this is what's so amazing about the love of God. It's totally undeserved, it's totally unearned, and it's totally unfathomable. Why would God love such a people as the nation of Israel? For that fact of the matter, why would God love such a people as us? There is no other reason than that he has chose us and he has put a special call upon our lives. He just decided to. He just decided to love us. He just decided to call us, if you will, unto himself and to place a special call upon our life. I want you to notice that Another wonderful aspect about the love or the special call of God, I should say, on the life of the believer, not only the nation of Israel, but the life of the believer, is that he's a faithful God, the Bible tells us. He's a merciful God to those who will recognize and accept that special call. Just like the nation of Israel, and I'm going to tie this in together, just like the nation of Israel They had a special call. You too have a special call. And that special call is to live according to God's standard. I want you to see that God's call is not only special, but letter B, if you're taking notes, it's a specific call. In Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 6, we see this. Back in verse 6 again, we see the specific call. Not only is it special, but it's a specific call. He says there about the nation of Israel, he says, Thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. That word holy, you know what it means? It means that they are consecrated, we are consecrated, or something is consecrated for a specific purpose. It's set aside for a specific use. For example, this pulpit here, it's not, it's set aside for the preaching of God's word. It's not set aside to eat pizza on. It's not set aside to um, draw cartoon characters on. No, it's set aside, it has a specific purpose. It's like this, this cup is designed for drinking. And, and you put water in a cup. 
But just because this cup is designed for drinking doesn't mean that it will always be used that way. For example, somebody could take that cup and they could put old motor oil in it. That, that wouldn't be very pleasant. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to drink out of a cup that has had old motor oil in it. That's not the purpose for a cup. A cup is made to be able to drink uh, uh, liquids. It has an intended purpose. But I want you to think with me. But why did God choose Israel in the first place? I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 12. Why did God choose Israel in the first place? Not only because he loved them, but there was another reason. You want to know why God chose? Not only because he loved them, but because Israel, listen, Israel was to be a witness to the world of the coming Messiah. They were to be sharers of the good news. Here you go. I can put it this way. Israel was to offer restoration to the world. And what we find in Israel is they were not a proselyting type people. But the reason that God uh, had, had a, the, one of the purposes for Israel was, the reason that he chose them was to promote the coming Messiah, to, to offer redemption unto the world. In Genesis chapter 12, take a look, if you will, in verses 2 and 3. God's speaking here to Abraham. And he says, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now I want you to turn over. I want you to turn to the New Testament because now I want to tie this together. Not only do you have a special call, just like the nation of Israel, but you have a specific call, just like the nation of Israel. Turn over to 1 Peter, if you will, chapter 2. There was a specific call on these people. Their purpose was to offer restoration unto the world. But secondly, their purpose was to bring Jesus through their lineage. That's what Genesis chapter 2 tells us. That they were to bring Jesus through their lineage. There was a very specific call. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Peter's using this specific call of God on the nation of Israel as a reference point for each believer. Peter was reading to a bunch of believers that were dispersed throughout Asia Minor at that time, all over the place, and there was great persecution that was going on. But Peter references God's call upon the nation for these people. And he's saying, look, you need, you've got a high calling and you need to live a certain way even in the midst of great persecution. And so what is he saying for us in the 21st century? That there is a specific call upon every child of God. Look, we have been chosen we have been chosen by God to fulfill a specific purpose, and that purpose, just like Israel, is to offer restoration to the world through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what we're supposed to be doing. 
That is our high calling. Why? Because he loved us. We have this special calling upon our life. And guess what? Not only does he love us, but the Bible plainly teaches us that he loves all the world and that whosoever will come unto him can be saved. So it's not just Americans. It's not just whites or blacks. It's just not uh, brown people or purple people or pink people. It's just not Hispanics. It's just not Asians. It's not, no, it's all people are to experience the love of God because there's been a, a, a special call upon their life for God so loved the world. And then there is a specific call for all of us who have accepted that love. And that is to be able to share the gospel with those who don't know that love. That's the way we're to live. That's the way the nation of Israel was to live. I often wonder if the nation of Israel had done a job, had done its job, would there have ever been a need for the church? But why would a people with such a high calling Man, you were chosen by God. He loved you just because he chose to love you. Why would people with such a high calling live so low? I want you to take a look. The second reason, the the reason here. Number two, the compromise of God's people. Go back to Judges chapter 2. Every believer, if we're not careful, every believer is in danger of not living according to their calling. We are we're in danger of living low. The compromise of God's people. Take a look at Judges chapter 2 and verse 2, really the latter part. And ye shall make no league with the inhabitants of this land. Ye shall throw down their altars, but ye have not obeyed my voice. Why have ye done this? Just like I mentioned a few moments ago, a moments ago that this cup has a specific purpose. So did the nation of Israel and so do we. We've got a specific purpose. And though the Messiah did come through the, the line, the lineage of Israel, they, they failed. They failed to present the message of restoration to the rest of the world. They failed at it. They weren't the ones that were, they, they, they didn't fulfill their calling. They, didn't, they weren't the ones that were going out proselytizing people and telling them about the coming Messiah. I want you to see the compromise of God's people. Take a look, if you will, letter A, the slow shift. The slow shift. Listen, God never wants any of his people to make any type of arrangement with the world for compromise. Did you hear that? I know that we live in an age of tolerance. That does not mean that we do not accept people. But it does mean that we don't have to accept their sin. And what happened, the reason that these people started living low, even though they were called with a high calling, is because of a slow shift 
Take a look at Joshua chapter 9, if you would please. Turn over there, please. Joshua chapter 9. It says that they made a league with the inhabitants of the land. Now, what you need to understand, if, you are, if you're reading through Judges, and what you need to understand is it, it, the first two chapters are more of an overview of the whole book. And so if you look at Judges chapter 2, and then you start, and you start reading it, it's not going to make sense if you don't understand that it's an overall picture of what's going on in the whole book. And what he's referring to in Judges chapter 2 is what happened in Joshua chapter 9. And in Judges chapter 2, he's showing all, he's, he's talking about the history of Israel right here, all that went on in the past and all that is going to go on in the future. In Joshua chapter 9, take a look at verse 3. And when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done unto Jericho and Ai, they did work willily and went and made as if they had been ambassadors and took old sacks upon their asses and wine bottles, old and rent and bound up, and old shoes and clotted up their feet and old garments upon them, and all their bread of their provision was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua unto the camp at Gilgal and said unto him and unto the men of Israel, We be come from a far country. Now therefore make ye a league with us. Let me ask you a question. What did God directly tell them not to do? Not to make a league or an arrangement or an agreement. So they come and they say, I want you to make a league with us. And what happened was, Joshua and the leaders, they did make a league. They did make an agreement with their enemies. Well, why was that? Why did they make an agreement with their enemies? Because they thought that they were from a far land. And secondly, because they never asked guidance from the Lord. It never says in that passage of Scripture that they sought what the Lord would want. They didn't ask guidance from the Lord. And you know how we ask guidance from the Lord? Not only through prayer, but also through the Word. Because guess what? If what your mind's telling you is contrary to the Word of God, your mind is wrong and the Word of God is right. You say, but this is the way I feel. I really don't care the way you feel and neither does God. I'm sorry to break that news to you. But I believe that this is what God wants me to do. I've spent 15 days fasting and praying. If it's against the word of God, you can spend a year fasting and praying. If it's against the word of God, you don't do it. I know that doesn't set well with the society. I know that doesn't set well with the 21st century Christian. I know that doesn't set well with millennials and Gen Xers and those type of things. But the simple fact of the matter is, truth is still truth. And we've got to stick by truth. But Joshua said, well, they're, they're pretty far away, so I, I guess we can make a league with them. We don't need to ask God about this one. We've got it. We're okay. Why pray about it? They're so far away. God probably hasn't even, they're probably even part of the land that God wants to give to us. See, God didn't say if the inhabitants of the land were a far away people or a far away place that they could make an agreement with them. God said to drive out all the inhabitants of the land. God also said to tear down their altars. But guess what? They didn't do either. 
You want to know why? It's like this, folks. Here, let's bring in the 21st century. It's harmless enough. Look, these people are from a far place. And as long, now listen, look, look. You go do your thing. And as long as your thing doesn't interfere with my thing, we'll be okay. So just go do your thing. It, that's basically what Joshua said, right? As long as you don't interfere. I mean, you're from a faraway country. See, these things seem harmless enough. What's the big deal? Why does it matter if we leave their altars up? We don't worship these altars. We know who the one true God is. It's no big deal. We can handle it. Listen, folks. This is why I said what I said a few minutes ago. The issue is not whether you and I think it's okay. The issue was not for the nation of Israel to make the decision of whether it was okay to, to make an arrangement with the people of the land. That was not their decision to make. It, it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't their decision to make to keep the altars up. God had expressly and specifically told them what to do and they directly disobeyed. You know what? It was a slow shift, but it was a shift nonetheless, was it not? Listen, incomplete conquest. Here you go, because this is what this was. It was incomplete conquest. God told them from the very beginning to wipe out all the inhabitants of the land, to get rid of them all. To get, there shouldn't be any more memory of them. You say, well, that seems so harsh. This is a picture of the way your Christian life is supposed to be lived. What he's talking about, it's showing that the inhabitants of the land represent sin in our lives. And that sin is not to hang around in our lives. Listen, you need to be killing sin or sin will be killing you. See, this incomplete conquest that led to compromise, it led to compromise. Now listen, and whenever sin is not completely abandoned at the outset, when it's not completely abandoned at the outset, you know what I'm talking about when you do something and the Holy Spirit says, oh, you shouldn't do that. You, you know exactly what I'm saying, right? Can somebody help me here this morning? Okay. If it's not completely abandoned at the outset, it always means constant trouble afterward and often defeat by that same sin in the end. See, the problem with, was the, with the compromise was a slow shift in that it was direct disobedience to God. And you know, if you know the story, guess what? Those people weren't from a far land. They deceived them. They were their next door neighbors. Now understand that this is a spiritual principle. I'm not telling you to go destroy your next door neighbor. <laughs> understand the book of Judges. This is a picture of our spiritual life and that we are to wipe out sin. Okay? God's not telling us now to go out and wipe out people. No, we're supposed to love people and bring them to Christ. That's our high calling, right? That's what we learn. But the problem is they weren't living up to their high calling. Why? It started with a slow shift. 
I can handle this. Not only do we see a slow shift, but secondly here, letter B, then there was the complete compromise. They they weren't worshiping the idols, you know. And they weren't doing what they were supposed to. I mean, they weren't supposed to be intermarrying because they want to keep God's people God's people and those who weren't God's people not to be God's people. They weren't intermarrying yet. They weren't worshiping idols. They weren't sacrificing their kids. to. I mean, everything was pretty good with the slow shift. It was really no big deal. But now, complete compromise comes in. Take a look at Judges chapter 2 and verse 10. And also, all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. So now listen, the, 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 the leader, Joshua, was dead. And then there were some people after Joshua, some of his friends and colleagues and those type of things, that were still around. But now that whole generation is gone. There's no one left from Joshua's generation. It says, And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. And there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt, and followed other gods, of the gods of the people that were round about them, and bowed themselves unto them, and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth. Take a look at verse 17. And yet they would not hearken unto their judges, But they went a-whoring after other gods and bowed themselves unto them and turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked in, obeying the commandments of the Lord. But they did not so. There was a new generation now. Oh, the slow shift happened with the previous generation. They made a couple decisions that they didn't seek the Lord on. And and they they made a league. They made an arrangement with someone that they shouldn't have. And they left some altars up. But now they're all gone. And and they were the ones that were really holding the tide. But now that other generation is gone. And now, if you will, the proverbial dam has bust open. And all the waters are flowing freely. The former generation is gone. And now the new generation, they completely compromised. It all started with a small shift, a small compromise. I want you to take a look what it says here. It says also that another generation, in verse 10, if you're in the habit of marking your Bible, you ought to circle that word, another generation. That's not just talking about the next generation. That word has a specific meaning. It means that they were of another kind. You ever hear someone say the greatest generation in America was the World War II generation? Uh, you hear people say, man, they were just made out of a, a different, they, they were a different breed of people. You know, th- th- those men and women, they just, they were just different. They, they, people aren't like them. That, that's the idea here. They were of another kind. This generation was different than the previous one. See, and they had no firsthand knowledge of God. Take a look here. It says that they refused to acknowledge God. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 3, if you would, please. Proverbs chapter 3. I want you to take a look here. This word acknowledge is a very familiar word to you. 
In Proverbs chapter 3, it's the exact same word. It says here, take a look at verse 6. Well, look at verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Here you go. And lean not into thine own understanding. Guess what this generation was doing? They were leaning to their own understanding. But what are you supposed to do? In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. It wasn't that they did not know God in the sense that they were ignorant of God. See, I don't believe that the, the generation previously didn't pass on the things of God to them. I, I believe that they tried to teach them. And I, I believe that I can prove that from Scripture here. But it's not, so, so it's not that they didn't have any knowledge of God whatsoever, that they were totally alienate, alienated from God. No, the point is that they were, they were not ignorant. It's that they refused to believe him. That's what they're talking about another generation. They refused to believe God, where the previous generation decided to believe God. See, they all had the high calling upon their life. They all had a special calling. They all had a specific calling. But why were people with such a high calling living so low? It's because of a compromise. And then it went from a slow shift into full-blown compromise. Hey, friends, listen. When you and I forget the Word of God, when you and I forget the Word of God, it's going to lead us to forsake the God of the Word. When you and I, we just disregard, you say, well, I don't try and forget the uh, word of God on purpose. Yeah, but when we just disregard it, when we don't acknowledge it, when we refuse to take what God has to say and to believe him, when we start to forget the word of God, we are in the place that will lead us to forsaking the God of the word. The spiral continues in verse 12. You can see it in chapter 2. It says that they forsook God. says that they, it even takes it further. It says later on that they abandon God. How can you forsake something and abandon something that you know nothing about? That's why I believe the previous generation, oh, they were doing their thing. They were telling, they were telling what they were supposed to do. But guess what? Their words and their actions weren't lining up. You shouldn't have any other guys before you. Well, uh, dad, why are all these idols around? Uh, you don't need to worry about that. It's all right. It's just their idols. Now, son, make sure that you, you men that are coming up now, that you don't make any other leagues with any other agreements with these nations. God told us not to. Uh, uh, Dad, why, why did we uh, do that with the people of Gilgal then? What's going well, don't you worry about it. Joshua had a little slip up there, but everything, everything will be all right. See, it's not that they didn't know God. The idea of abandon, you know what it means? It means to leave behind. They left God behind and followed other gods. In verse 19, we find out what the other gods were. They were the, the God of Baal and Ashtaroth. They were actually cohort-type gods. These were the gods to help in, in farming, which Baal and war and things like that. And then Ashtaroth, just to be able to, I'm giving broad sweeps here, but Ashtaroth would be uh, the God of physical pleasure. See, I, friends, I, I'd be really be really quick not to point the finger uh, this morning at the nation of Israel and to condemn a people with such a high calling because remember, uh, friends, this morning that we all have this high calling upon our life. 
and that all of us are in danger of not living according to that high calling, but living in low life, if you will, living in squalor, if you will, not living like a son of the king, but living like someone who has no relation to the king. See, because I want you to think, are we really any different? You say, well, I don't worship idols. I'm not like these people. Today, there are many who bow the knee to the God of economic and financial gain. There are many today who bow the knee to physical pleasure. Well, since so-and-so isn't meeting my needs, I just need to, you know. Think with me. Has there ever been a time in your life when you compromise financially in order that you could benefit? I'll tell you what I'm specifically getting at. As if you would wonder if I would tell you. <laughs> you know what Scripture says about giving unto the Lord? Mm. But instead, you ignore the Lord. You ignore His Word. And you make excuses about why you can't give. What has happened is you've abandoned You've forsaken the Lord in this area of your life. You've abandoned what you know is right to do, and you've gone after another God. Ooh. We do have service tonight if you'd like to come back <laughs> to be encouraged in the things of the Lord. How about the compromise of physical pleasure? You say, what do you mean? Putting your desires ahead of the desires of God that he has for you? See, Israel's fall was complete. And the fall was a result of compromise. Here you go. It's been pretty heavy this morning, so I'm going to let you go with this. Failure in the Christian life is always failure in the Christian life is always the result of compromise. Let me ask you a question this morning. If you know Christ as your personal Savior, do you have a high calling on your life? Yes or no? Uh, can we get that again? If you know Christ as your personal Savior, do you have a high calling upon your life, yes or no? Yes. According to the Word of God, you've got a high calling. It's a special calling. Let me ask you something. Can you ever be separated from the love of God? No. no. We learned that last week, did we not? So it's a special calling. And let me ask you this. According to the Word of God, is it a specific call? Have you been set aside for a specific purpose? I'm not talking about your job, but a specific purpose to be able to represent the Lord, to be able to share the gospel with the world, to be able to tell others about that love of Christ. Has that been given to you as well as a believer in Christ? Would you say yes or no? Yes. Then are you living according to that high calling? I don't want you to go out of here beat up, but I do want you to go out of here challenged. And I want you to be encouraged. Yeah. Okay, pastor, give it to me because I've been waiting. 
Maybe this morning you want to come to the altar and just thank God for your high calling. Just praise him that he has saved you. You may not have compromised in your Christian life. Maybe, you know, you're trying to live the best Christian life that you can. And as I was preaching this message, there was nothing that was coming to your mind. The Holy Spirit wasn't bringing anything to your heart and your mind saying, man, you fudged a little bit in this area and you've done this. Maybe Maybe you just want to come this morning and say, God, thank you for your high calling upon my life. Thank you that you do love me. Thank you that I have a specific call to be able to share the gospel with the rest of the world. And help me to fulfill that calling. Or maybe this morning, the Holy Spirit's not stepped on your toes, but stepped on your heart a little bit. You say, Lord, would you, would you forgive me? Lord, I, I've been, I haven't been living according to my high calling. I haven't been living like a son of a king or a daughter of the king. I, I've been living more like the low life. You know, we don't like to admit that. Sometimes that's hard to admit, isn't it? It really is. But listen... The first step in you being able to change is to be able to be real with God, be truthful with God, humble yourself. That's what the Bible says. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves. Yeah. So this morning, maybe God's done a work in your heart and your life. But let's make sure that whatever God's asked us to do, that we do business with him this morning. High calling and low living. You don't have to live there. Get off the merry-go-round. Because you're expected to live according to your calling. 